0: Is Clayton House Entertainment X for part two with Patrick O'Neill? We continue the conversation of the metric of success, self-talk, letting the craving pass, and how it's not about the opening night, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy part two. How do you balance? How do you balance achievement versus fulfillment?
1: Um. Hmm. I still think I'm figuring that one out um achievement and fulfillment i think that i'm a um i'm a i'm a first-time guest long-time listener and i loved what joe mantello said about the Graziella daniel quote um oh, about yeah. um you know when you do something you have to know why you're doing it so that you know you know trickles down to this question about you know um setting goals for yourself that are your own and um and not necessarily for everyone else it's really hard Mm. it's really really hard and i talk a lot about this um with young actors in particular about um people don't understand outside of our business what success metrics we live by and it's so easy to think that oh well a broadway show or uh, a television show or a tony award or uh, you know, something recognizable is a is a metric of success, and it's true to the outside world. It is, and to the insular world, it is. It's it, it's true, yeah. but especially at, you know, starting in this business, getting called back for Wicked for the first time after auditioning for it for two years mm. is a huge reason to celebrate that you know your great aunt tilly at christmas or at hanukkah is never going to understand that the fact that rachel hoffman or craig burns knows who you are is like the reason to do backflips down eighth avenue if you're a brand new actor in new york it's a big deal so i think that idea of um of achievement um the line is so movable because even when you get the thing you still have to wake up tomorrow And the thing will have been had. And so then what's the next thing? It's like, it's the the insatiable beast. It will, you'll never feel, ever, ever feel fulfilled by achievement. Um, It has to be goal oriented because Mm. whether that goal is, um, when I moved to New York, I said to myself, all I want is to work with uh, people I respect on highly anticipated projects and uh, you know when i look back over the course of my career i've gotten just that some of them flew some of them didn't mm-hmm. some of them lasted for a long time some of them were a flash in the pan but it's like i, I look at uh, michael mayer uh, hi- hired me for my first show on broadway and i look at michael's career and i go he takes big massive swings and the kind of swings that have brought us the likes of Jesse Mueller and Sutton Foster and and I go, yeah, like that's mm. the life I wanna live. And that those are the, the risks I wanna take and the, that would make me fulfilled to live a life that feels risky and rooted in um, finding new voices and finding new talent and finding new stories to tell. Mm my favorite thing about michael is that he's you know before spring awakening he was like i'm done i'm moving to la i he was like gonna be leave the business and or gonna leave new york gonna leave theater yeah and um and just think of what would like where where would our our industry be if that even that one creative voice wasn't present in the dialogue of the last 15 years think about the people that came from those achievements of that one artist and so you know, those are the kind of things that I lean into in terms of fulfillment. Um, finding the tribe, making the thing, and constantly moving forward. And what I've found is that you find the you, yourself included. You find the people who are like-minded that, you know, you, you want to trip down the path with.
0: Mm. Yeah, w- when, uh, if and when self-doubt. Gets into the brain. Do you have a a self talk or a process that gets you through?
1: Oh yeah, um, that's actually something we I think we all need to talk about more uh, <laughs> yes. because um, I I think that that idea of imposter syndrome is um, everybody thinks that nobody else has it or everybody thinks that people who are outwardly successful don't have it right. um, and I, you know every moment of every. Ounce of creation that you do is flooded with it. You know, uh, you, there are no answers, there are no answers. Um, and and Mike Isaacson um, and I were having uh, dinner last week and we were talking about this very thing about, there's the moment in every show, every new show that happens where the fear takes over. And um, even if the show is good, mm. there is a moment that go, where it can ruin it. If, if you let the fear take over, it can ruin, poison the well. Um, whether or not you're on the right track or not, it's a very fine line between panic and um, and and flight. Huh. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm terrible at it. I think we're all bad at the self-doubt thing. It's like it's something. It's 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 the it's the healthiest part of what we do in terms of analysis of our work and um it's why i think the pandemic has been so traumatic for people especially actors on self tapes because you tape it and then you watch it back and you watch it back and you watch it back and like you spend five hours doing you know a one minute take of something it's awful um because of this idea of self-doubt and so You know, the thing is, is how do you break the cycle? I mean, I don't know, man. I'm still trying to figure that out. But what I know is that as long as you keep taking the steps forward um, and you you push through it, uh, it works. I love wine. I love wine. I love love a martini. And somewhere along the way, somebody bamboozled me into doing the whole 30, right? Which, you know, you're not allowed to have any of those fun things. And there's a chapter in the book on this where it's like, if you just push through the craving, it will pass. And it really, <laughs> strangely, um, alcoholic beverages and self doubt go hand in hand. Um, it <laughs> it kind of translates into this idea too, where it's like, you know, yeah, we all feel icky, and we all feel like it's not good enough. But if you trust it, that the work is being done, you can always revisit it, you can always change your mind later. Mm-hmm. But make the choice, do the thing and push through the, you know, craving yeah. and uh and get to the other side of it because it will pass
0: i love that analogy just you know when it comes to self-doubt let the craving <laughs> pass because it will pass <laughs>
1: It but like really, at the end at the end of the day, right? What does it mean? So like you give in to self doubt and you're denying the world whatever it is you're working on. If it's yeah. a screenplay and you go, well, it's not good enough. Well, then the world's never going to see that screenplay, and that story might be a story we need. Um, and even if it's not a story that the world needs, it might be a vehicle that an artist needs or a vehicle that somebody that doesn't even know they need to hear it to, in order to get to their next place. I mean, there's a thousand theories on how the universe works and why we're here. And, and sometimes we're here to move a pencil from one side of the desk to another for somebody to pick it up. And, and that might be the reason that your work needs to be seen today or heard today or, or, or shot today or, or or presented today. And, and if you deny the universe that, um, gift, I mean, who knows what, the, the, the ricochet of all of that could be you just have to push through.
0: Yeah, that was, that was what I enjoyed so much about Everything Everywhere All at Once, that film that had just come out a couple weeks ago. Um, highly recommend it. Everyone should go see it. I'm not going to talk about it so people see it. It's great. Um, but this idea, and I thoroughly believe in it that working on a project that may not ever see the light of day or like, you know, let's talk about a theatrical project that may never come to Broadway simply by doing that project. There will be doors and opportunities that open as a result of you putting yourself out in that space that will can bring you to a new level. Even if that project is just needs, is just there to open that door. It's not meant to actually go there, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so hard to get practice in our business, it's hard to practice being a producer. It's hard to practice being a playwright. It's hard to practice because yeah. if the play doesn't happen, then theoretically the practice doesn't exist. But the reality is, is that the practice is a daily thing. It's not the, it's not the opening night.
0: No, it's not. These are like these, these word nuggets today. It's not the opening night. It's um, it's not the opening night. I love this okay um ch- changes you've made particularly g- during the pandemic but in life uh, that have increased positivity and decreased negativity does anything come to mind
1: I do and i'm I, I need to be better about um I need to be better about n- not not preceding this with like a, you know, a condition, but, um, but just before the pandemic, I started meditating twice a day. Um, I have a wonderful actor who is, who, uh, runs a wonderful company in Australia called performance-based meditation. And, um, and sh- I was over there working and she was like, she's always, she's the kind of person who, her name's Dion Zanotto. She's a superstar. And she, um, uh, she's the kind of person who has so much to say about how the coffee tastes, and about how um, the light and the sunset look. She just loves life. And she's so, she's a sponge. Mm. And I was like, what is up with you? Like, what is going, I've known her for years. And I was like, what's, go- why do you talk like this? Like, how do you, she goes, "Why well, meditate. And, um, and uh, so she taught me, she's a teacher. She taught me how to, and it's been something that I do daily and um it it really had there's a thousand reasons to do it and uh, i'll let dion's website or another meditation teacher talk you through those reasons but for me um it's brought me deep rest in my life like it gives me a time to check out every day and it gives me a time to uh, recharge and um it's kind of i've never smoked um in my like cigarettes in my Mm -hmm. life And um, But it's what I uh, assume a cigarette break must feel like, where I've always been jealous of smokers because they get to leave and they get to go outside for a little while. And that's kind of what this does for me. And so um, that's been a a daily practice. Um, You know, Twyla Tharp uh, has this wonderful book called um, The Creative Habit, and it preaches about routine. And it's just just part of my routine that... uh, that keeps my day structured, but also keeps me um, in touch with a lot of things. Um, I've also been very lucky over the pandemic to be working with a lot of young actors over Zoom, um, now in person, thank God. Um, And that has started to feed me in a way that I have not, I was not prepared for. Um, The tenacity and the promise and the hunger for it has reinstilled faith in show business for mm-hmm. me a little bit, working with young people. Um, that's been very helpful as well in terms of staying positive and going, yeah, we're, we're, the future is going to be fine. We're just fine. We're going to be just fine.
0: We are. I have to remind myself of that quite frequently. As far as the meditations concerned, is it just in the morning, morning evening, half hour, as long as you want it, sitting down, laying down? Oh my god! I guess you're supposed so to sit, um,
1: it's 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 all based it's all based in um she teaches transcendental meditation, which again I was I'm going okay here we go so I'm gonna like put on a toga and I'm gonna like levitate and I'm gonna you know i I I go to like the Mel Brooks place of it all, and what I love about it is that uh, yes it's twice a day it's the first thing in the morning you wake up uh, before you have a cup of coffee, which sounded crazy to me. Um, you just sit up in bed and 20 minutes, you set a timer and you go, she'll teach this practice, uh, you know, breathing and, and no, it's not guided. It's just silence. And you repeat a mantra and then you do it again at some point in the afternoon. And, uh, and twice a day, it's 40 minutes a day, which sounds like a lot, but you'd be surprised how you can sneak it in. Mm. Um, And what I love about it, this idea of transcendental meditation, which no one told me before, I thought it was like this om shanti shanti thing, Mm. but really it's this, it's just relaxing yourself so that you get to a place that transcends your states of consciousness, which again, also sounds lofty, but it truly means you're just between asleep and awake. You're transcending that place so that you, you know, you, you, you're not awake and you're not asleep. You're just relaxed. And, um, And she was able to put it in really pedestrian terms that make it feel um, attainable Mm. um, and, and practicable.
0: Mm. Yeah. You're just, you're just alive. You're just being, and I, I, it's the first time I, I, I hit that pocket or that zone, (laughs) however you want to word it. I had experienced that previously, uh, performing. You know, when you, especially particularly for me, I'm sure it happens with dance because there's so much movement involved in that sort of meditational state. But in acting, you know, if you are so in line with what a character is that you're playing, you are yourself, but you're no longer you. But of course, you're not the character. You're in the zone. I guess people call it a flow state. And that's essentially it's such a great feeling. And you're right. I think that's what cigarette smokers get. It's they get <laughs> instant flow <laughs> right here. Yes. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean,
1: most of my career was as a swing and a dance captain as yeah. an actor. And so like that, your whole, your whole night was a meditative state. You're literally like, what am I doing? Who am I going And you, if you're not present, if you're not alive, if you're not in the moment, you know, you're not going to be where you need to be. It's literally about filling the gap. Moving the thing and it, it really the practice of that. It's really looking. I, I wasn't necessarily in a meditation practice while I was working eight shows a week on Broadway, but hmm. um, but that in its own way is, yeah, is, I love how you say that. It's like very, um, it, it, it's completely related.
0: Do you have any, uh, most gifted books or favorite books?
1: Oh, yeah, let's see. Um, for Jen Waldman, uh, who's an acting teacher in town, Jen Waldman Studio. Uh, possibly the greatest acting teacher for the musical theater alive. Hmm. I I I'm I'm like literally going through my Rolodex, going nope, I think it's her. Um, uh, she turned me on to years ago, um, Year of the King, Anthony Sher. It is anyone who talk about self doubt. Anyone who is uh, is establishing a creative practice especially at the onset of their career, reading this, it's basically his diary, the, uh, for the year that he uh, was anointed to play Richard III at the um, RSC. Mm. And so you're literally walking through, how do I do it when Olivier has done it? How do I do it different? Why do I do it different? Why should I? So in terms of the acting creative process, that's it. I mean, it's like, it is the best, best, best book because you realize you're not alone mm. and that even the giants wrestle with the same issues that we do on a daily basis. Mm. Um other books, other books, other books. Oh my gosh. Of course now I'm drawing a complete blank. I'm reading. I'm about to work on a production of Chicago, so I'm, I'm knee deep in a book on vaudeville that I'm thoroughly enjoying because it's all written by um, like the, um, the people who are living it. So it's like stage managers. It's like um, you know all these articles from the twenties and teens. Um, and so that is really fascinating to me because mostly because as i'm reading it i'm going this is exactly what our life is still like you know hopping on a bus getting on the road you know they're waiting for the trip what do they do in the new town what do they do how awful are the dressing rooms how it's so fast <laughs> and that hasn't changed much in 110 years um <laughs> uh, but yeah i used to be a voracious reader um pre-pandemic but um since since covid it's it's funny i've i've really been present more it's been hard for me to read um even if that means staring at the wall um i think we all got a little addicted to netflix over the pandemic but um, uh you know um but uh yeah i have a stack of books by my bed that i'm trying to just hack through um you know for the next few months just to make sure that they get read i love i love books though i love real books I'm not. I'm not an e-reader person.
0: I, uh, you know, that's the that's the challenge here. It's. I love books too, but living in New York City, it's just. Yes. Till I have a library. <laughs> yes, it's uh, coming, baby. It's coming. Yeah, amen to that. Um, is there a common piece of incorrect advice you hear in the theatrical industry?
1: Um, I I I think this is the second time I'm invoking Mike Isaacson's name in this podcast, but um. Um, he and I were talking about this last week about how he was teaching or coach. Somebody asked him to come and listen to some graduates or something like that, and um, and and they they had they were presenting. There's this hunger to be obviously we all are different, but there's this hunger to be different. And there were pre- somebody got up and sang some song from something that nobody's ever heard of and probably never heard of for a good reason. But this person, I'm sure, thought that nobody does it, so we should do it. Mm. Um, and, and that's something that I think gets pushed on us a lot, especially as young performers, Is you want to find something that's individual and you want to find something that's, and I got to tell you, none of it matters. None of it matters. Um, you, when you walk into the room, whatever that you could be singing, um, some enchanted evening, you could be singing something, uh, um, um, uh. What's the what's the other one? What's the cable one? You touched my hands. My arms grow strong. Um, younger the springtime. You know, you mm. could sing like a song that's been beaten into the ages. But what makes it different isn't the fact that, you know, it, you know, the song is something nobody's ever heard of. It's the fact that you're singing it. And I, I, I think that that is such sound sage advice is that it, you have to walk in with the best you, not with the best song, not with the best material, not with the best. Of course, that's all important. And yes, if, if it's a comedy and Mel Brooks is doing it, you wanna make them laugh and you gotta find the funny song and all of that, of course, it's a larger, wider conversation. But 90% of the work that you bring into the room every day that you're auditioning, it just has to be yours in, in in taking ownership of that work, as opposed to f- freaking out about, I don't know what songs I have in my book, or I don't have enough in my book. You have plenty in your book. Your book is complete. Sing what you love, even if it's not what we're asking for. If somebody comes in and sings something that they love, and I, you, we connect with them and identify with we'll ask. If they can, you do you have this. Can you sing this? Can I vocalize you? Like, sing something that gets you out of bed in the morning. Don't worry about what it is, just that it is hmm. yours.
0: Yeah, that's that's th- sitting in on auditions. The most unique performances are the ones where the people are the most themselves. And
1: Clayton, that, we, that's, that's the best advice I can give anyone, especially yeah. people who are new to New York. Email Tara Rubin's office, email Bernie Telsey's office, email um, uh, uh, whoever, and get on the list to work as a reader in auditions. Yeah. Because if there is, z- you don't need to go to college. No sort of sort of you just need to not for auditioning see what people do <laughs> yeah like it, it, it's this big mystery until you look behind the curtain and then you learn so quickly get in the room and see what people are doing and not doing
0: yeah it's i mean it is how the door opens and how the door shuts which is so cliche to say in like an audition yeah. technique class but it is that energy it is you it is yeah. just simply you uh metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind?
1: Um, Oh my gosh. What a, that's like the an actor studio. It's like a James Lipton question. <laughs> um, we'll do favorite sounds next. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, it's a gr- great, it's a great question. And I don't know if I have it. What pops into my head right now is, uh, this Sierra is you are enough, but like, she's already taken that. So I can't use that. Um, I'm sure it's copywritten. So I don't want to use that because I'll have to call and ask if I can use it. <laughs> and so she won't sue me. Um, uh, look, here's, here's the, here's the, uh, it'll never encapsulate on a billboard, but I think this is like, you know, if, if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, this is what I want you to say at my funeral. Um, you just got to know why you're here. Like I think why is really important because um, you can't live for the highs in this business because they come and go so quickly and the lows are, the, the path is seismic and it is up and it is down and we are down a lot more than we're up. Mm. So you gotta know why you're here and um, there's a great talk about books how did I not say this one there's a great book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why Mm -hmm. that um Lindy Franklin Smith the artistic director at the Lexington Theatre Company turned me on to and it it just walks you through this exercise you gotta know why and he helps you put together the reason why you do what you do and if you were a barista at Starbucks if you were a a custodian at a middle school if you were a, a Tony Award winning actor the why for your reason that you do what you do in life has to be the same. You can do you, you can you can do acting with the same um, generous reason that you work the same way that you would do that waiting tables. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know why we put up with it. and it's important to know why we want to be here because if, if you can't be clear about that, The heartbreak feels endless. But if you know why you're here, everything, talk about versus uh, achievement versus fulfillment, everything is fulfilling. You Mm -hmm. can feel fulfilled by every step along the journey if you know why you're doing it because you're always getting closer to something.
0: Patrick, this conversation has filled my cup. (laughs) It runneth over. (laughs) I appreciate you. So much. No, I, I make jokes, you. but I'm so serious, you know, without being too heavy. At the end of this, this Thank has you, been friend. a really great conversation.
1: Thank you. Likewise, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself.
0: Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add or plug here today?
1: Um, yeah, I, I again, long time listener, first time guest. Thank you like, for listening. Talk about the the annals of these um, of these. the the roll call of these guests, man. I was like, it's crazy. This is, I'm thrilled. I'm honored to be here. And actually, I I didn't listen to this one yet. I'm sorry, Michael. Michael Bobbitt uh, was my dance teacher in college. And now he's like, I mean, he was running the new rep in Boston. And now he's like on the arts council in Massachusetts. Talk about kicking ass and taking names. Um, you've, you've, You've curated an incredible list of people. I'm
0: humbled to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate you for joining the show and saying that and listening. So thank you. And for for taking this time to share, you know, a slice of your humanity. I just so appreciate that. For you, the moon. People of the world, Patrick O'Neill.